Well, hello, you, you fabulous interior design professional. We are so glad you're here. We are Business of Design. I am Kimberly Selden. I'm advocate in chief here at Business of Design. I advocate for you. And let's be honest, it's so selfish because I'm also practicing interior design professional. So whatever I do for you, I'm actually doing for me, but we're really glad you're here. As I said, this is episode 273, and we're going to talk about ways to get out of overwhelm with a life coach, Desi Cresswell. Interestingly, Desi started her career as a commercial interior design professional and found herself burnt out, looked for a coach, and she had this aha moment that led her to abandoning her interior design business, but going full-time into coaching. Desi and I have so many philosophies in common. It was wonderful. But one thing right off the top of the show I thought was interesting is her perspective that business development actually starts with personal development. And I had the opposite experience that my personal life developed after I tackled my business development. And I guess what that really proves is it's one big circle. You can't separate those two things. So when people visit a coach and they say, I need the perfect balance in my life between work and being a mom, for example, there is no math equation that works because it's all interconnection. Our work lives are so entwined and so important. They are, in fact, our lives. So it doesn't really matter which of those perspectives you prescribe to. Which comes first, personal development or business development? All roads lead to the same place, focus, discipline, and planning. And Desi's going to talk to us about the signs of burnout, the signs of overwhelm, and what are some things you can do to get yourself back in a better place, a more sane place, back in your body, back in reality, and out of your head. And if your head's anything like my head, oh boy, I make up all kinds of stories as I'm going about my day. Managing negative self-talk is a full-time job. It really is. In fact, recently I read a statistic that 85% of self-talk is negative. That's pretty shocking, right? Overwhelm looks different for every single one of us, but for sure, one of my signs of overwhelm is reactivity. I immediately answer emails. I immediately return a phone call. I must do this thing right now. And it almost always is a mistake. And speaking of mistakes, I can tell you about my latest and greatest, if you'll tell me about yours. So this happened a couple days ago. I had to do a weekly update to a client. No big deal. Do them all the time, but I'm rushing. I want to get it done so I can get on to something else. And I had to tell her that we had an allowance for marble for her ensuite. And now we have the final complete pricing and there's a price increase from the original allowance. No big deal. Uh, in the update, I said the price increase is $1,500 and the client wrote back, okay, great. No problem. Let's go forward. Well, don't you know, it wasn't $1,500 people. It was $15,000 yeah. So rushing that email, rushing that update, 
has now created so much anxiety for me. I cannot tell you. So I'm actually getting to practice right this minute some of the things Desi is going to share with you. And FYI, I have to go back to the client. I'm going to see her in person. I will explain what I did and explain how the marble increased by that much. It's a long story short, but ultimately we ended up choosing different slabs that were much more beautiful and they were more expensive. And there you go. That's it. Do you see how I need you? I mean, I don't think a week goes by that I don't have like some teen trauma like that, that I need to discuss with my people. That's you, my people. Thank goodness I have you to talk to because it's very lonely and dark in my head some days. This too shall pass. All will be well. Nobody died from a decorating emergency, but some days it just feels like it, doesn't it? Actually, someone who keeps me off the ledge constantly is Cheryl Horn, and she's going to check in with announcements in just one second. First, I'm going to tell you about Desi Cresswell. She is a certified life and business coach, and her mission is to help interior design professionals stop feeling overwhelmed. Desi says her passion is to help interior design professionals build a thriving business that supports and enriches life as a whole. That's such a great mission. You can find Desi on Instagram at Desi Cresswell, and she'll tell you a little bit more about how you can reach her at the end of the episode. Now, I promised we'd check in with Cheryl Horn, and over to you, Cheryl. Thanks, Kimberly. Well, coming up in June, we have a three-hour virtual seminar on flat fee projects. So uh, we know a lot of you want uh, more information on how to run successful, profitable flat fee projects. So we're going to talk about how to run a flat fee project start to finish, as well as how to calculate those fees and make sure that you really are profitable when you run the projects. Join us on Tuesday, June 28th at 4 p.m. EST. Regular price tickets are $6.95. And of course, member preferred pricing, you're going to save $200. So please make sure you get your tickets for that. Again, it's June 28th, 4 p.m. EST. We will be able to make the recording available for 72 hours following that live webinar. And if you have any questions in advance, please email me, Cheryl at businessofdesign.com. If you're not able to attend live, I will do my best to get your questions answered for you. And then also BOD Boss applications have been rolling in since we did our webinar, everything you want to know about boss information session a couple of weeks ago. So if you missed it and you want to uh, take a quick look before applying, please email me and I can make that available to you. If you're ready to apply, please do so and do so as soon as possible. Uh, We are going to do a couple more rounds of um, reviewing those applications, but we are super excited with some of the ones that have come in and we're really looking forward to uh, the possibilities for this second group. So again, head to the website uh, if you want to learn more about flat fee projects or if you want to apply to be part of our next boss group, businessofdesign.com. Thanks so much. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. 
Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Hey, Desi, nice to finally meet you. It's so nice to meet you too, Kimberly. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Well, Crystal Collinson said, you really must interview Desi. I know you've done other podcasts for interior designers. In fact, I know that you were previously an interior design professional. How long did you practice? About 10 years. I started out in commercial design and then transitioned to opening my own residential studio. Then what was the path that led you to becoming a coach specifically in this arena? It really was my own personal personal development journey. It was um, a result of me being completely overwhelmed and burned out by owning my own business and that not aligning with what I had expected owning my own business would be like. And I took some time off when we had our second child and reevaluated um, what I wanted to do. And the question I thought I was really answering when I hired my first coach was how much do I want a mom and how much do I want to work? As if the question was about some mathematical equation, right? right? right. Like if okay. I can just figure out I'm going to work <laughs> this many hours and mom this many hours, then I'll be happy. Right. And, and if you get your mom allotment for the day, I guess you just park them in a, in a back room somewhere with an iPad and walk away. Yeah. Yes. It's a great indicator of where my level of awareness was at that point. But so I hired a coach for moms. And as I started changing my life, I started seeing how all of this applies to business and how your business development really starts with your personal development and how all the tools, the mindset tools specifically were so applicable to how I could be running an interior design practice. And I felt like designers need this and it's going to change everything. And so I decided to get certified as a life coach through the life coach school. And now I really blend the mindset work with my experience and background in interior design. Well, this is a good time to have this conversation because we just had a BOD live yesterday and I asked the question off the top, how many are feeling overwhelmed at the moment? Because business is coming at us fast and furiously. Nothing is linear. Delivery dates are suggestions only. Um, Supply chains are totally busted And it feels in many ways like the Wild West again. Even for those of us who have very clear systems and boundaries in our business, we're still kind of struggling with how to make it all work. So it's a good time to talk about being overwhelmed. Should we look first at what the signs are, Desi, or do we all know what the signs are? Well, I think it's always good to define. And overwhelm is going to look different for everyone, of course. But I think that when clients come to me, in that overwhelmed state, there's lots of mental spinning, reactivity, frazzled, um, working too much and really working in overdrive. There's this heightened anxiety that's fueling all of their action. Um, and a lot of, a lot of worry and stress and not liking your business anymore. 
Yeah, I remember those feelings so well. And I did the same thing. I hired a, I hired a business coach. Um, and what I found is cleaning up my business cleaned up my life. And mm-hmm. what you found is like cleaning up your life may clean up your business. So maybe it's a chicken or the egg. The most important thing though, I think for people listening is what can I do about it? When I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling stressed beyond the level of comfort, what are some practical things I can do to get myself back on the beam? Yeah. And I want to just circle back to what you said, because I think it is, it isn't necessarily chicken or the egg. I think it all comes back to, if you clean up your mind, that's when your business gets cleaned up. Right. right, Because you started thinking about your business differently and how you wanted it to run and be the leader of your business and cleaning up mentally that way produced the result of a smooth streamlined process. Right. Same thing with if you're going to do something like this in your life. So, but I think one of the biggest things you can do is separate out the facts from the thoughts that you're having, because Often we have an inner dialogue or running narrative around our business, about who we are as people, about the state of the industry that feel like facts to us. Like we're just reporting the news when in fact, they're not facts at all. There are interpretations of what's happening. And just this simple shift, separating out what is a thought about what's happening And what is a fact about what's happening can give you so much perspective and calm you down. You're talking about more, I think, than just catastrophizing, right? Like that, that feeling where this you're, you're talking about, it's kind of like that. What is that expression or that great line? I think Mark Twain said, it's not the things, you know, that cause you trouble. It's the things you think, you know, Mm. Is that it? It's the things you think, you know, that you're saying this is actually happening when in fact, that's just your interpretation of what's happening. And there might be a different way of looking at it. Exactly. Right. And it could be things like, um, I forget the exact phrasing you used at the top of our, our call, but it could be something as simple as I'm so behind. Yeah. I'm never going to catch up. Right. My clients are so unreasonable. Right. Those are all thoughts that you're having about facts, neutral circumstances, right? And so I think it's important, right? Like you could say, I'm so behind. And yeah, maybe you hoped to get a certain number of things done today and you didn't accomplish those. So we could say you're behind. Or you could look at it as data and say, oh, okay, I plan to do these three things, but I didn't actually allot enough time to realistically get those done. How am I going to use that information tomorrow to plan better and be supportive of how I want to be making progress in my business? Yeah, I totally understand that. And then there's part of me that is also thinking, yes, but I didn't get them done. And the three things I had planned to do tomorrow are now four and a half things and I'm not going to get those done. And therefore the four and a half things I'm supposed to get done tomorrow are turning into the seven things that are due really soon. Mm -hmm. Yes. And right. Like you might have to, if you haven't adjusted deadlines, you might choose to get them all done and maybe work a little bit more. But I think that, so there's so many different directions we could go with that because it's, 
one, you have the opportunity to readjust expectations for yourself and for clients. That's always an option. If you need to move something, you have that as an option. I think it's important to recognize that we're choosing to do things a certain way. And also think about how your action in your business is fueled when you're thinking, I'm so behind, I'm never going to get this done. You could have the same number of things on your to-do list, but when you're believing that you are so behind, you're going to be a lot more frazzled. You're not going to be as focused. The effectiveness of the action that you take is going to decrease. So I think that's one of those instances where maybe you do have an additional thing that you need to accomplish, but let's be strategic about how you're thinking about it. So that way you take really focused action and get through it in a streamlined way. Right. One of the most challenging things for me as a serial entrepreneur and of course a very busy interior designer is focus, the discipline to simply focus on the most important task and get it done. I will get distracted with a phone call, an email, a text of five other things. And and I'll look up my desktop and I'll see that I have 18 tabs open, right? Mm -hmm. That I can't be doing 18 things. What's happening? Where's my focus? Yes. I'm so glad you brought this up. And I'm actually going to be doing a masterclass on how to focus in June. So um, if anyone's interested in that, definitely we'll get them linked up to my website and they can get on my newsletter list to be the first to know. But I think one of the things you can always do with focus is think about making decisions ahead of time. So you decided to do a certain thing and then how can you set yourself up for doing it in a very successful way? So not you know, putting yourself in a position where you have all those distractions, putting your phone away, closing the tabs on your browser. Those are all easy ways to help you create an environment for focus. And then also knowing what it is that you're setting out to do in a period of time that you set aside for yourself and sticking to that decision. Mm-hmm. And really what that allows, what that requires of you is to be uncomfortable It's for you to allow the urge to check all the different things. And that can be uncomfortable, but it's also really uncomfortable to be in that distracted state. So it doesn't just becomes a, which discomfort do you want to choose? Yes. Choose your heart. This is hard. And that is hard. Choose your heart. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. One of the ways that I describe it with, with an urge is, um, kind of that like magnetic pull sometimes we feel towards our phone, or even if you wanted to look at it like a plate of cookies, sometimes it's helpful to look at it with an example outside of your workday, but you don't need the cookies. You don't have to check Instagram, but there's something happening internally that's signaling to your body. Oh, I might be missing out on something that might be better. I could use a dopamine hit. And so we just have to learn to allow the sensation of that magnetic pull we feel. And the more we practice that, the more the feeling dissipates and the intensity decreases and you're able to do it so much more easily. It's really funny that you gave that as an example, because just this week 
I have noticed that my magnetic pull is coffee. Go make a coffee and that will get you out of the discomfort of whatever task you're working on. Exactly. Yes. And I call that buffering essentially where we're using something external to sort of smooth over the rough edges of what we're feeling because our brain is really wired to seek comfort and pleasure and avoid discomfort. And so when you're in discomfort, whether it's, you're about to work on something hard, you're having about to send an email that maybe you don't want to send, right? Your brain's first response is let's go find something that's more pleasurable. Let's go make some coffee. Let's go check Instagram. I could use a snack, right? And all those feel like quick, easy wins and hits of dopamine to your brain. So it makes total sense that you're wanting to go for that coffee. It's so funny. I think probably on every third podcast, I say there just are no shortcuts. It always comes back to discipline and focus. So, okay. So the first thing we're going to think about when we're in a state of overwhelm or near a state of overwhelm or recently out of it is, are we separating fact from, what did you call it? Wasn't fiction. Facts from thoughts. So we've got facts, which is really just data, or you could look at it very clinically. These are the number of clients I have. These are the number of drawings I need to complete. And then your thoughts are your interpretation or perception that you layer on top. And that's generally where all of the mental drama comes from. Mental drama. Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What is another step that we can take then? Well, let's just circle back to decision-making because that, that was tied in with focus and deciding ahead of time what you're going to work on so that you're very clear and um, that's going to help with focus in itself, but also making strong decisions. This is an opportunity to save yourself so much time and energy because often what I see with designers is there's a high level of decision fatigue coming from the way that they're going to run their process, the way they're going to select for clients, the vendors they're going to use. And there's so much back and forth that is draining them and costing them time. And so we want to make strong decisions, meaning we commit to the decision and we follow through on the decision and then we evaluate and we can make another decision but it's different than that waffling energy. That waffling exhausts me. It mm-hmm. absolutely cripples me. I, I try to avoid it. Occasionally I see myself in that loop and then I remind myself, make a decision and move on. That's it. It's done. It's over. And it does sometimes mean in our business that I make a decision on a light fixture, let's say for a client, that is a really good light fixture, but I don't think it's the perfect light fixture. Mm -hmm. I have to accept that it's really good and I'm moving on. Yes. Yes. And that everything will be fine. And if it's not, that you trust yourself enough to make it fine in the future. Because typically where the waffling comes from is the belief that it's, there's going to be a right or wrong decision. Right. So the waffling, in the waffling, we're trying to sort of hedge our bets to pick the right decision. But that puts so much pressure on making a decision. And so then we start to avoid making the decision and right. start doing other things and distracting ourselves, which is something that's going to eat up a lot of time in our business. 
Wow. Yeah. Okay. We could, we could spend a couple of hours talking about decision fatigue. I have a feeling. Mm -hmm. One, one thing I love about having created the systems to run my business is I don't have decision fatigue around anything to do with that. So for me, it is strictly related to when I'm making selections on behalf of clients. There are just are times where I find myself circling the drain on an item and I just have to like move on, especially if it's like, especially if it's charged with feeling you really want this project to be great. You know, like there mm-hmm. are those projects where you're like, oh, I can see this photographed, you know, yes. and then, and then yes. you're in trouble. Yes. Anytime you're having the thought, I want to see this photographed, we need to watch out for that Yeah, because that is a signal that you're maybe overthinking things and also maybe discounting things like, oh, I'm going to not mark up as much on that, that particular piece. Cause I really want them to buy it. And it's going to be in the photographs, right? Like that's a good little check on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. We, we see that all the time at business of design, people make those decisions. In fact, I think we even talked about chasing the photograph. It was a whole podcast on the things you do to chase the photograph and how it's just not going to work. Mm. I had an example this week of a retailer um, chasing the sale. So one of my clients happened to be in a shop where we were selecting items for her presentation. And she asked about a dining room table and the shop, the person working in the shop gave her the trade price. And I was thinking about why would you do that? If you were a salesperson, why would you go straight to a trade price when you know that person isn't trade? Mm -hmm. And I what I came, the conclusion I came to is I think he just wanted that sale so bad. He thought if he told her 15,000 instead of 17,000, somehow that would make it okay for her to make that purchase. So mm-hmm. that that's kind of interesting. And I just Very. had a conversation with the owner of the company about five minutes ago to, to clear that up. <laughs> Yikes. Yes. That's very fascinating. And I think that we've all had experiences where, where we do that and mm-hmm. it's, great to have the awareness so that you can choose differently in the Mm -hmm. future. All right. So we're going to, we're going to be aware of our thoughts versus facts and reality. Mm -hmm. We are going to be aware of decision fatigue. What are some other signs, or I guess we're even more importantly, what are even more important? What are the things we're going to do to, to get ourselves back into alignment, back into a space of serenity So a great thing to do is to really embrace discomfort. And this circles back to what we were talking about with the urges, but it could be for any emotion that comes up related to feeling overwhelmed and maybe the pace of your day. And this is a tool that you can really put into practice immediately because, and I'm sure you see this so much with your clients, Kimberly, it can take some time to get the systems and processes, get your timelines for projects in, you know, space in an appropriate manner to decrease the volume of work you're doing at the same time. So those are all excellent things to do. And at the same time, we want to help you feel better in the moment. So learning how to really process emotion is a key skill that you can do here. So if you're feeling anxiety or worry or stress in some way, actually looking at where that is in your body and being with it. I call it the two-minute tune-in. So it doesn't take long at all. But essentially what you do is 
you name the emotion, you say, I'm feeling anxious right now. This is anxiety that I'm experiencing and start to notice where in your body is it located? Maybe it's in your right shoulder. Maybe it's in your stomach and just putting your attention and awareness there and breathing and saying, this is anxiety. And we can start to describe it. Is it hot or is it cold? Is it a large solid mass or is it more fluid? Does it change shape? Does it have a color? And having your attention and focus on the emotion and the physical sensation in the body really starts to allow it to dissipate so that you can regain some control in your day, even if things are still going to be moving along at the pace that they're currently at. So it's a really great chance to check in with yourself and bring yourself back to center. Wow. I hope you're going to tell me I'm not alone in this, but sometimes it can be very hard for me to identify my feelings. I think I'm going at such a pace. I think I have multiple feelings going on sometimes. And when I hear something Mm -hmm. like that, slow down for two minutes, I think I, that sounds scary. (laughs) That sounds harder than some other things to me. You're, you're not alone. And at the same time, it's one of those things where the more you practice it, the less scary it will be because typically the resisting of the negative emotion is much more painful than any sensation that you're going to experience. Because when I think about anxiety in myself, I often feel it in like my left shoulder chest, right? And it feels like this hard mass. And when I think about what that actually feels like in my shoulder, there's no sensation that's going to hurt me. It's just there. And it does take some courage to slow down and feel it. But the more that you practice it, you start to see you're totally fine on the other side of it. And it's really actually very supportive. Right. Interesting. It reminds me of when you go to yoga and you're in a pose and you're hurting or there's grunting going on. The teacher will sometimes say, notice where it feels interesting, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, instead of focusing on that this hurts where, where is it interesting? How is it interesting? So I think the two minute tune up is kind of like, as we're talking, I'm like rolling my shoulders. I guess yes. there's something there, Desi. I it's don't know. It's all about curiosity. <laughs> right. It's like, okay. What, what am I feeling here? Why do I think I'm feeling that way? Yeah. What could I do that would be supportive? What do I need in this moment? Yeah. Wow. That I, it, it takes practice, but you can learn this stuff. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this yeah. this feels great, Desi. How I we, we like to end every episode with design and intervention, but I, and I will also want to ask you how people can reach you and work with you. So why don't we do that first? Um, tell me how people can find you. Well, I've got my website. It's desicresswell.com. and if you add a forward slash planner you can download my interior designers, get it done daily planner. And if you've been enjoying this conversation, I highly recommend you head over there. It blends mindset with my approach to time management. And if you know, you've probably gleaned from this conversation, I think that the managing of your mind is how you manage your time. So it combines mindset and really practical tools for scheduling your day. 
And you'll also have an opportunity to practice those decisions ahead of time that we talked about in our conversation as well. So definitely download that desicresswell.com forward slash planner. And then of course, I'd love to be over on Instagram as well. So if anyone wants to just say, hi, has a question about anything we've discussed, I'm at, at Desi Cresswell on there as well. And all of this information will be in the show notes as well. And I will, I'm going to follow you today on Instagram. Oh, fun. I'll, I'll look forward to seeing you on there. Yay. Okay. So we like to end every episode with design intervention. Just a great piece of advice. You think it doesn't have to be on topic. Yes. Okay. So I thought about this and the one I really want to share, especially because it's coming up in my group so often is that success is built on a pile of failures. So let that land. I love that because I can see that. I can see a million failures and a very tall pile in my case. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have to really be willing to get it wrong in order to get it right. And I think so many of us believe that if it's not right the first time, that's an indicator that it won't be right ever or that we won't ever achieve the goal. When in fact, the quicker you learn to fail, the quicker you will succeed. And I want to offer that really the only part about failure that is truly you know, awful, that like antagonizing part of failure is what we say to ourselves on the other side of it. When things didn't go as planned or we didn't hit the goal, we have a tendency to be so mean to ourselves. And so making a decision ahead of time about what it is you're going to make your goal mean about you, whether or not you hit it or not is so important. And I also think what's really fun to look at is let's say that it's going to take you a hundred tries and that's going to be a hundred fails. What if success is 101? If you knew that success was inevitable, how would you be approaching your journey? Right. Would you make failure mean anything? Probably not. Yeah. But you would try to do it as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And typically worst case scenario is you're exactly where you are. It's so funny. I had a conversation with my daughter this week and I asked her her worst case scenario around a particular situation. And then we sat for a little bit and I circled back to it and her worst case scenario was actually the best case scenario. She was not even able to let herself explore worst Mm. case scenario. So, um, anyway, I'm meeting her today. We'll talk again. (laughs) Yeah. I'm good at worst case scenario. I go right there. So I thought that was interesting that she's not even talking about worst case only in her mind, what I would see as the best case is her worst case. Yeah. I think it's so helpful. I'll often do that when I'm really concerned about something, let myself go to absolute worst case scenario. And then I'll say, okay, so if that were to happen, how would I solve for it? Yeah. And then usually I can solve for it pretty easily. Yeah. It won't be that bad. Okay. And once you just get that out on the table, it, then it can stop running in the background and you can just get on with your life. Right on, right on. Desi, this was so fun. I would love to spend more time with you. Thank you so much for being here. I would love that as well. I've heard so many wonderful things about you. We actually share clients um, that have been through your business of design program and then have also done out of overwhelm. And so I've heard lots of great things about you as well. Well, maybe one day we'll do a joint event if I'm like in the mood to go places. So let's figure that out. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for having me on.